what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love a great founder story. That's why I love the story of Kentucky 74 from Spiritless, three young women from Louisville, Kentucky, who had the idea for a healthier bourbon, healthier in the sense it has no alcohol. So you can have an evening cocktail with no guilt and almost no calories. It is so delicious. I love to squeeze an orange slice, a couple of dashes of bitters, shake it with ice, and then strain it into a beautiful glass and just kick back. If you'd like to try a bottle of Spiritless, you can use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most fascinating and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is the founder of Scully, Christopher Gray. Raising money is literally like dating, right? Like it's always, it's like you have to, they have to be a fit for you. You have to be a fit for them. It's really, and it's a process where you go on a bunch of dates until you find the right one. Christopher Gray earned more than $1.3 million in college scholarships as a high school senior. As the child of a single parent with few resources, Christopher realized that if he was going to go to college, he was going to have to find a way to pay for all of it including living expenses. His journey to win all of those scholarships led him to create Scully, an organization that would help other young men and women do the same thing. Scully received the nation's attention and adoration when it was featured on Shark Tank, landing a deal with Damon John and Lori Grenier. The company was named in Inc. Magazine's top college startups. Chris Gray was also named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. Most importantly to the Scully team are the hundreds of thousands of students and families who have been able to use the platform to find more than $70 million in scholarship money to go to the colleges of their dreams. Christopher has just written a book called Go Where There Is No Path. Please enjoy my interview with Christopher Gray. Chris, thank you so much for being on To Dime For The Podcast. It is wonderful to see you this morning. I can't wait to dive into your story of Scully and your new book, but I want to begin this podcast like I begin all the podcasts, which is talking about your favorite restaurant. I know you grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, but you've lived all over the country. So I'm really interested to see where you would choose as your favorite restaurant. So I spent seven years in Philly um, and I, then there's, you know, I'll spend four years in LA, but actually one of my 
favorite restaurants that unfortunately um, got shut down um, during the pandemic was actually Miss Tootsie's. It's a black owned restaurant. And actually it was, you know, unfortunately the pandemic. And now hopefully it comes back up. But it's a soul food restaurant, mm. you know, so from the south, I'm big on soul food. So that's always, that's been, that's a huge staple for me. So, so it's like a, is Miss Tootsie's in Philly? It's in Philly. Yeah. Miss Tootsie's okay. in Philly. But it reminded you of growing up in Alabama. It reminded you of home. Go there, take people there for dinner, business meetings. It was it was good. Oh, that's awesome. You know, in an ideal world, that's what we'd be. But because of COVID and because of the pandemic, I've been starting to do these interviews virtually. And I'm just grateful to be able to continue to tell the story of dreamers and creators and entrepreneurs. And you fit all of those buckets tenfold. I love your story so much. Can you tell people what you created? Tell them a little bit about what Scully is. Scali is a mobile and web app that helps students find money for college. And now we've evolved to helping um, people pay off their student debt. Mm-hmm. So um, we have about 4 million users and we've helped students uh, raise $100 million in scholarships so far. Take me back. You're a yeah. senior, junior in high school, Birmingham, Alabama. You're the child of a single mother. You don't have Never. internet in the home. You are trying by hook and by crook to find scholarship funding to yeah. fuel your dreams. Yeah, so I was getting ready to go to college right when at the peak of the recession, right? So it was around, it was um, 2009, 2010. So 2008 was, you know, that's when, it, that's when the crash happened. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people lost their jobs. And, you know, a lot of people in my family were a part of that, you know, mm-hmm. especially in Alabama, where there's a concentration of blue collar workers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and at the time, um, my mom just, I just had a brother and sister like two, three years ago. So they were two and three. So that was also, a, you know, a new, a new challenge, um, you know, a blessing, but also the challenge, you know, sure. Considering the economics at the time. And basically, we didn't have internet at home. So I would have to do things like go to the library, which is also inundated with different people who needed to use internet. So um, I only had 30 minutes to hour on the computer. So in order to get some of my scholarship done, I actually had to use my cell phone. And, I, and it wasn't an iPhone at the time. It was some AT&T like slide up <laughs> phone. And I had to actually submit, you know, actually one of the scholarships you probably know about, the Horatio Allen Scholarship. That's one of sure. the more well-known scholarships I had to submit on my cell phone. And, you know, and it forced me to actually start to see that a lot of the scholarship essays were, this, were like at the same prompts. So I actually started, forced me to kind of hustle and scale. And I just revised the essays to fit <laughs> the different um, scholarships. And yeah, it was only the best way. And I kind of hustled and found that. And then I ended up winning a bunch of scholarships, um, you know, over a million dollars in scholarships. So suddenly this this idea of not being able to go to college, not only just me being the first in the family to go to college, suddenly college became a reality. Then I attended um, Drexel University. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I wasn't um, able to apply to any of the um, you know, different schools like the had fees, like the Ivy League, et cetera, because um, the fee waiver process was not was not well known to um, particularly us at the time. And also $70, $80 apply for a school versus a bill when you're like home dealing with homeless and all that stuff, you know, was just a challenge. So the genesis of really um, mm, that's starting Bali is really this idea of um, me trying to help other people who are going through the same thing as, as I did, but also just across the board. College costs, it affects so many people across the board. I mean, you are benefited a lot of scholarships. So many of our friends, our network Coca-Cola scholars are benefited. So if Scholarly was a real, a real way to really help as many people access all these scholarship opportunities at scale. So you were able to gain $1.3 million in college scholarships, which is really astounding. And so at the heart of Scali is allowing and showing and sharing all the tips and tools that you used to help others do the same thing. What did that experience teach you personally 
about putting in the work and doing the work? They're, they're kind of two sides of the coin. People, I always tell people, you're you're not successful because of your struggles. You're successful despite your struggles, right? And they kind of go hand in hand because you learn from those things. And I think that it taught me, um, you know, I, I was always a good student, but it taught me this hustle and this grit. And like talk about, look, going where there's no path, like there was no path in front of me. There was no guidance, no blueprint, no playbook. So I had to really make a way, right? Mm-hmm. I had this, hey, I want to go to college. Then I wanted to start a company. I had these different milestones in life. But I think growing up in that, it just taught me hustle. It taught me a level of work ethic and grit that has that carried with me over to, um, you know, different other aspects of my life. And and it really and it taught me just really how to be creative and um, and create find creative ways to get things done. And I think my team at Scholar can say, like, how anything, anything happens, like, um, whether navigating through the pandemic and other things like I have this very solution oriented mindset, like everything's on fire, but I'm like, calm and really ensuring that I'm thinking about solutions. So I think it's struggles are a struggle, but they also really generate a lot of um, really cool life lessons Mm -hmm. um, that I think allowed me to persevere to starting a company and then ultimately getting Scully where it is today, going on Shark Tank, all that stuff. And let's talk about Shark Tank because you did get a deal. And it's so funny. I'm just, just a to, to follow yeah. that thread of what you just talked about, you know, Damon John wrote a book called The Power of Broke and yeah. how uh, there is such galvanizing force in the struggle yeah. and that if yeah. you didn't have the struggle, you wouldn't get to point B because it makes you better. And yeah. no one, I mean, let's, no one wants the struggle, but if it's going right. to make you better, right? Um, what yeah. was that experience with Shark Tank and how did it change the trajectory of Scully? Yeah, so I'm actually featured in Damon John's book, Power Broke. So the whole chapter about me, <laughs> actually. So that was really cool to bring that up. Um, so Shark Tank was like really, everyone calls Shark Tank Scully's origin story because that's when we did our big launch. But before that, Scully was more like a project. It was a way for me to help as many people. Then I had this opportunity on Shark Tank that really just made me realize how big this company could be. And actually, I filmed for the show actually eight months before it aired. So the mm. summer of 2014, then it aired on February, you know, production, you're in TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it aired on February, 2015. So I was actually a senior in college. So I was going to school full-time and now on a national TV show. Wow. Um, it was an incredible experience. I pitched the pitched idea on the show and Lori gave me an offer within like five, 15 minutes. Then Damon jumped in and they gave me exactly what I wanted. So I did get a deal with Damon, John and Lori Grenier. Mm-hmm. Um, Lori Grenier is also from Chicago. So mm-hmm. that's that nice connection there. And it was, it was an incredible experience. And then there was a big fight that happened, which was like what made that particular episode go viral, where Mark Cuban and Robert Hirschback and Kevin O'Leary um, walked out and um, Damon Lawyer was just really adamant about the deal. And, you know, and the app just went viral from there. We were that number one in the app store for both iPhone and Android for like almost two months. Really? Um, yeah, we had cities come to us to buy scholars for the entire city. I ended up getting invitation to the White House. Um, they had President Obama, like, like a greeting. And we got involved with them through My Brother's Keeper. That's just really been a cornerstone of so much progress and traction we have today. And we were able to attract talent and also helping, helping a lot of people. But um, yeah, it's just that moment. And then that whole big shark tank thing, that fight really just really made that episode viral. And just like, and that trajectory until to this day has really had a positive impact on the company. At the heart of your company is truly helping students. It's helping students with a problem, right? To getting to college, they can't afford it. What is it like personally to be able to impact so many lives? I always tell people it's a personal crusade. I mean, when I think about 
for me to be able to have something like scholarships be the pivotal point the that took me from this not having all these insurmountable odds stacked against me to now being able to get an education, get a career and all these things. It's kind of full circle for me. It's a blessing that now I'm able to have, create this product that has helped so many other people do the same. We got students, I thought we have students who use scholarships who won two million scholarships. We have students who got four rides. We actually have a few, co, a lot of co-scholars who use scholarship. They find the Coca-Cola scholarship now, like it's in the past five years that we've been around. Like that has been incredible because now suddenly I was this kid in Birmingham who literally had spent months just creating a list of scholarships and now there's this platform that I've been able to create. It's a very spiritual journey for me because it's like, I felt like for that to happen to me and for me to be able to do the same for others, it's just, that's the most fulfilling part. I think the work that we do as college. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute, but first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, You can count on your local American national agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American national companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. Full disclosure, we should tell listeners that you and I know each other actually through a scholarship program. The Coca-Cola Scholars Foundation is how we met. We both won it when we were in high school. And um, it is an amazing, incredible organization that connects people who really want to make an impact on the world. You certainly have done that. It's been a blessing um, getting to know you over the years. You and I have worked together on projects. And I will say that when when someone is in high school... And they have their whole future ahead of them. And you can go in and positively change their course to a place that maybe they would never have gone before. It is so powerful. Coca-Cola scholarship was so powerful for me. I know all of the scholarships you won were powerful for you. But it really is to have your hand a young person's life and to make it better. I love what you said. You call it a personal crusade. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, we both know that the power of scholarship mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that what the scholarships are really not really just this. Oh, someone just giving you a check to go to college. It's really a reward for hard work and persistence. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I really want to hone in on that. Like, it's really something that, that you have to put a lot of work in and it's a reward for that. 
for you, like you and I, it's created a community that has helped, you know, my co-founder of Scholar is actually the co-scholar, mm, <laughs> Bryson Alo. So, so really like that scholarship, you know, particularly like benefited me um, a lot. And the Bill Gates scholarship that Gates Foundation heard about in my sex in a few years ago, they would meet Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates. So that stuff, you know, all that stuff has become full circle for my life. Um, but I think, like you said, it's just so it's it's so powerful, Kate, like you being able to to really do that. And now a new product that we have is called Scully Bill. So now we have wealthy people, family offices, crypto millionaires, brands who now come to Scully where we actually set up scholarships for them mm-hmm. and facilitate them. Right. So we've had like lots of um, like really wealthy people, big brands. Um, we're talking to other. You now we have graduate hotels. We had Grownish. We had a student loan payoff with Grownish, Yara Shahidi, Little Nas X had a scholarship with us. We have a lot, and a lot of other cool products coming up where now Scholarly not only just is facilitating matching students, we're actually facilitating who wins these scholarships. So we actually do a million dollar student loan payoff with Natty Light, the beer company, every year as well. So now with these student loan payoffs with these scholarships, we are not, not only are we able to do it, but we're able to go to these foundations or wealthy people from their organizations that want to give back and say, hey, we have the data to say, this is how you can impact the most people as, uh, you want. If you want to affect this demographic, you want to, like, listen, we have the data and we have 4 million users on our platform and, you know, we're getting thousands and thousands each week. So those sort of things are, has been important. So now being in that position where we're not just matching you and say, okay, here you go to this scholarship and you hope you apply. We are actually run these campaigns where we're able to influence and really um, help identify winners and actually directly impact people's lives through the funds we have. And actually in a month or two, um, I'm saying a month because my product team will, you know, they all like be saying, like, <laughs> don't give deadlines. Um, yeah, we're launching a, we're launching, um, a common app for scholarships um, that will be on Scholarly. And where I go um, by um, early next year is to actually have a million dollar fund that's literally a common app for scholarships. And you're able to use one application and apply to all these scholarships instantly. We really want to make it where like we can start to leverage data to say, you, these are the people you want to impact. Here are the funds. Here's the application. Here are the funds. And we bring that together and scale. Um, and um, democratize the scholarship process. You know, you bring up a great point, and it's part of what you got you going when you created Scholarly. But you, at this point in your career, you have to do a lot of going to wealthy people, corporations, and you have mm-hmm. to really, you're still pounding the pavement, asking yeah. for funding and, and asking people to contribute. Can you give any tips for people who are in your shoes? Because what I think this skill set that you definitely have really applies to a lot of business in there is an art to asking for money and you have mastered it what have you learned and what can you share about that i think that um i think that you know a few things um you know like raising money for the scholarship fund in terms of like that you know on the the philanthropy side that's different then you have the raising money from um you know your company so you see you know we raise money from shark tank damon john logranier steve case founder aol is one of our investors kevin plank the CEO of Under Armour. Also, people don't realize that different people, different investors of any or donors, et cetera, have different needs and different interests. Right. I think some people go and say, you have money. I need money. <laughs> hey, like give money. Right. Um, you know, and that's whether you're running, whether you're running for office or anything like people care about different things. Right. Tell your pitch to that. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing. Know your audience. So I think that that would be the best thing. When tell you say tell your pitch, you mean don't just ask for money, but really yeah. share your story. Exactly right. I'm getting ready to start my own foundation. And one of the big cornerstones of what I'm going to do is obviously, you know, supporting organizations that 
power education and support grants for business because those are the two cornerstones of you know my own success so those are the two pillars to do impact pillars so for example like someone coming to me saying oh i want you to help me you know fund this biotech you know, thing that i want to do like it's not really within our core competency same with vcs and investors some investors focus on certain stages certain industries right like there's certain foundations that focus on certain angles certain pillars so really do this so i see a lot of entrepreneurs just kind of blindly pitch everyone they treat like raising money like a like a sales pitch on doing a hundred people and that really doesn't scale and the other things that you have to understand a lot of wealthy people know each other mm-hmm. so like you got to be careful around like being that way because mm-hmm. you don't want to get a reputation oh yeah that's the guy who just kind of annoyed me because then other people don't want to deal with you either mm-hmm. and the other thing the last and most important thing and i talk about this in the book about social capital relationships are everything networking is not hitting people up just when you want something from them mm. that that would having a transactional approach most of my investors most of the business deals that we're doing today most of the funders are people i've known for years mm. including some post college and things like that right you know like i think relationships are extremely important um and taking time to build them and they'll have to be you know this person for years but take time get to know that that person people are human people are parting ways with money so right. there 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 has to be trust there right yes and, and value for them value yeah, for them too right, like, right? And, and people don't people live they're literally people think investors are these robots who that i put in a pitch deck or a business plan and they just <laughs> and just take out money and so many entrepreneurs and um, i've had mentors who praise me for like actually taking time to relationship and also i i take time to hang out with them and also after the relationship because they know other investors so and then suddenly you have these people that can vouch for you mm-hmm. when you're doing that so right. that is also another thing so a lot of time they create network um, network effects and things like that so particularly for people of color who are raising money because we're not necessarily in, in born into those networks and neither was i and, and many other people especially women lgbt entrepreneurs etc we're not in those worlds and it's kind of a boys club an old boys club and i'm black and gay oh god so i'm kind of into <laughs> those things so um but what what i really advise people is that you know build those relationships and, and do those things because those relationships are really really integral to being able to raise money effectively so i really think people have to understand the relationship piece of that so and social capital there Chris, talk to me about your relationship with rejection. This creation of yours is your heart and soul, right? Mm -hmm. So it is personal. So when Mm -hmm. you go through that and you pitch hard and you invest time and energy and the answer is no, how do you handle it? I just, I I, I shake my head and then go and find a yes. (laughs) Really? You know, I I think society has told me no and a lot of other people can relate to that. And also when you're raising money, um, just a general rule, like, Raising money is literally like dating, right? Like it's always, it's like you have to, they have to be a fit for you. You have to be a fit for them. It's really, and it's a process where you go on a bunch of dates until you find the right one. And um, and that's how a lot of analogies, VCs and investors have kind of done. So there's um, a lot of examples and not just with Scully, but I have friends who are now, they're coming to value at over a billion dollars. And in the beginning, they invested, didn't want to talk, told right. them no, they right. didn't want to talk to them, et cetera. I think that if you are an entrepreneur that can't pull that confidence within yourself, I think that they are um, a lot of examples of a lot of big companies. I mean, that's what really helped me. Books, really, I'm a big reader. So books really helped me growing up. I would always read memoirs, stories, and of different entrepreneurs. I think that when you read those stories and kind of see those playbooks, and I hope people can get the same from my book, is that it's very grounded because sometimes as young people, especially who just are learning about the world, we, we were our influence of what we think success is come from the media. And we like, oh, we just see wealthy billionaire and we don't actually understand that person's story. And we kind of think it's their success is this hockey stick when it was really this zigzag. Yes. Line yes. To really get 
that point. So, so that's, I think that's really, really important to know. Your book is called Go Where There Is No Path, and your story of Scully is exactly that. You, you created your own path, and it has been an amazing one. What did you personally learn in writing this book? My audience when I'm writing my book is, is, is really these millennials who are really going through different phases in life, whether they're going to college, whether they're in, I even talk about coming out in college. I talk about, it's not just like, oh, this is college. I talk about that process, what that means, running a company, coming out, doing all these different things and having this coming of age story and then running and growing a company. I think those things are um, important. So I think that I kind of wanted to kind of make this playbook, right? For people that, you know, that don't necessarily have a way, because when you're even, if you take, you know, that I want scholars by example, there are a lot of young people who don't think they can start a company because I'm in school or, mm-hmm. you know, like people are thinking I'm too young, you know, so there are a lot of other layers that, that I really focus on in the book that's really not just about, okay, it's going through a struggle. That struggle can just be, hey, I don't have the confidence to do this because I'm, um, um, you know, I'm young. How many young entrepreneurs like really can do this and go to school and take this risk? Um, so, you know, I definitely think this um, book is really like a, a nice, great playbook for people who are overcoming a lot of adversity, but I think it should even be more inspirational for people who didn't come reverse it's like hey well if he can do it well like i should be able to do it too step it I up a, step it yeah, up to people yeah, who yeah a, who have an excuse a, a right yeah so and i have a lot of friends um i went to school i mean it was a very culture shock for me because i went from like a um pretty much a um you know underserved community to like suddenly having roommates whose parents are millionaires right mm. like uh, it's very you know like it was a completely different shock for me and and I've asked some of them say, wow, like if you can do this, like why am I complaining? Like, yeah. you know, and I don't even have that. Like I have, you know, my dad's Amex black card, right? Like I don't have to think about this stuff. And they're complaining. I'm like, you're complaining. Can you can you stop talking to me? <laughs> and they're joking, <laughs> right? right? Um, I'm not literally, but you know, I, I think it's there. So I want I want it to be for everyone who wants to start a company because I think that a lot of people who I've worked with um, who've come to me for advice aren't just people who have some background. They're people that think, damn, like you know, if you were if he was able to do that, like I think I can do that too. I love that you said the power of sharing your story, because I'm sure it wasn't easy to write out your story of coming out. You know, it's a personal story, but to put it in a book, why did you do it? And what is the value of being so vulnerable? Some people, especially people I grew up with, that was kind of, you know, I never like did the whole coming out, making a statement, like I can do the, the quote unquote press release that people do on social media these um, these days, where like I'm coming out. Because one, I, I thought it was something that I never had to really prove. I mean, so if someone asked me, they know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I just obviously told you that, ca- like just casually. Yeah. I think growing up, that was kind of news, you know, news for a lot of people who are now reading the book who are like, oh, he's gay now. Like, oh, they're probably like, oh, I kind of maybe knew, but like, oh, this is out, this is a thing, you know, because people I haven't seen in a long time. And even some of my family members, like, you know, they knew, but like, you know, it was kind of obvious through social media, but, you know, it was nothing official. So I think that that journey is really important. And, and I think, you know, I wanted people to see how people, there are a lot of people, a lot of different layers, right? Um, there are people who um, may be different um, groups who have um, different things. And I, and I want people to understand that you can still have this coming of age, this formative journey, these things that um, that are going to happen to you at the same time and still be able to do that. But coming out is definitely a unique thing, right? I think that um, it, it's, very big inflection point for my life. Um, it was, it was like most people, it takes some time to adjust to that. You know, when you, especially when you've told everyone you like girls for long and all <laughs> this stuff, they believe you or not, then you say you're by all these other things. So um, it was really interesting. Um, and I, and I, and that's something that I wanted to do in the book is really 
convey that, hey, that was a really important in my life, more important in my life as well, while I'm going through all these other things mm-hmm. um, and trying to run a company as well. And I, and I think that the point for the purpose of really talking about that to show that, hey, like different levels are different devils. And the point is that you're just because you're running a company that may be one struggle, but you know, you're going to have a lot of, um, you're going to have different struggles in your life as well. So I don't want anyone to ever think that somehow just you start a company just because you make it somehow like you're immune to struggles. You're immune right. to these other interpersonal issues, sure. whether you get a divorce or you have some issues, family issues, all those things, that's going to be a part of life no matter where you go. And success isn't some like immunization from, from those things that, are, that will happen to you. That's really interesting. I, I think of a quote from Arlen Hamilton, uh, the venture mm-hmm. capitalist, and she said, uh-huh. always no, be, right. yeah, I, I'm sure you know Arlen. She says, um, always be yourself so that the mm-hmm. people in the room can find you who need to find you. And I feel like when you tell personal stories, whatever that is, and you really show who you are, you allow the people who are out there who need to hear your story find you. And that's what you did. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. And, and, that, and that's really it. Like, I mean, even when I'm doing the book, right, we worked with, um, you know, Harper Collins and um, William Morrow and like, you know, they really just got it. And I realized that was also like a dating process. Like, wow, you get, you get my story. Like I want to work with you to tell this story. Um, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you experienced that too. when you were like, you know, working with your show and shopping mm-hmm. that around, like one of my big things, anything forced will eventually implode. Hmm. Forcing some, whether that's forcing someone to invest in your company who really is not really understanding your idea or forcing a friend to like really do something or hiring somebody who's really not gung-ho about what you're doing, hmm. whether working with a partner or a publisher or investor, anything that really doesn't get you and what you're doing, whether it get you, your product that those relationships don't don't aren't that's not sustainable that's really fascinating because i bet you that took you a while to get right and that's that's your gut telling you right you you need people who are really you can truly sense they're on in your corner and are on board with what you're doing and and your journey and they get you and they understand you and and the relationship is genuine Mm -hmm. and sometimes it really isn't you know, and I think that that's important because now, like you look at Scholar, we're at a point where we're extremely profitable. We're growing like crazy. Like we have options, right? We have plenty of people want to invest. We all, you know, we have all these opportunity inbounds. So now it's a very different thing, right? And you do have the people who see the relationship very transactionally. Um, we're like, hey, like you know, this is this is not a fit. We want people that get our vision that want to add value. We're not just another 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 logo in your portfolio, right? Um, or partner, or to put on your website, you know. So um, that's important. But you, if you don't get people that get you that believe in you. Those relationships are not are never sustained, and that's per, true in your personal and professional life. Because at the end of the day, like you want to work with people but, who get you and understand. So when you're having those ups and downs, they they have a level of empathy, mm-hmm. um, you know that that only comes with a genuine connection. I think that's fantastic advice. Um, you know, I didn't ask you why you wrote the book, and I'm sure it's sort of multidimensional on the reason why. But is a part of it because so many people ask you for advice on starting a company and you wanted to kind of really share your story? 100%. Yeah. I think that, you know, now I have some I can point to. You know, you people ask my story. They can do different things. You know, I do a lot of speaking engagements and same thing. Now I feel like I have someone they can point them to. And also just legacy and just really like when you put a book out into the world, that's your story and it's out in the world. It's like a part of my, my you know, like, I mean, I'm 29 years old. I have, I'm going to do other things. And obviously that's a big part of it. But I think, um, yeah, I really wanted to really give people that advice and, um, and really 
just productize that. So, so I do think it was really important um, to really give the people that playbook. And the reason why I didn't plaster, if you look at the book cover, um, I was very inspired by Mac and Gladwell's book. I love Mac and Gladwell. Um, too. So I wanted to make the cover and the title Gore, There's No Path. And I didn't put my face on because I wanted to really it to really be a good book. Mm. Um, I think that when people, I mean, it works sometimes when you're a celebrity, et cetera, but even more so, I wanted to, I wanted this to be a book that people just love. I think you like you're you're a creative, you're in content. I think great content is king. Yes. Right. I don't want like, oh, I'm getting your book just because I know who Chris Gray is or I saw him on Shark. I want I'm getting this book because I'm not sure. I'm getting this book because it's really actionable advice, yes. real life lessons, actual stuff. I thought I, so I was really intentional about the, even the design of the cover and making sure people understood, hey, when you get this book, this book is for you as an entrepreneur, not just because, oh, I saw Chris Gray on TV and then I now I want his book just to do that. Like that, that was very intentional about the book having that meaning and that flow. You know, it's funny. I think everyone has a different definition of what hard work is. And, yeah. you know, people always talk about hard work, hard work. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not all the same. And I Correct. think, you know, when I think of you, I think of someone who takes hard work to the next level. And that's one of you've used it as a differentiator. And it's been part of the reason for your incredible success. And Ooh. I'm just I, I really I love your story. I love what you're putting out in the world. And it's just an honor to tell your story today, Chris. So thank you for your time. So I really appreciate you. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.